In Adam Alter's brilliant book called Irresistible, he shares this in the prologue. At an event in 2012, Steve Jobs introduced the iPad. He explained for 90 minutes why the iPad was the best way to do almost everything that we were already doing online and stated that everyone should have an iPad while at the same time in private refusing to let his kids use the device. You are listening to the Thriving Empire Podcast Season 3, How to Find a Remote Job. So if you're a highly skilled human ready to ditch the office and the clutches of the commute and instead work for an awesome company right from your kitchen table or a co-working space or wherever in the world, you're going to love this season. I've created the ultimate resource bursting with actionable tactics and tips for finding a remote job as well as a smooth transition to the remote work style so that you can enjoy more freedom and flexibility in your work and in your life. I'm your host, Stephanie Holland, marketing strategist and consultant, traveler, coconut macaroon addict, and remote work obsessed. Let's get started. Well, hello, hello from sunny Mexico. I am back in my ideal vision of my life where the hummingbirds fly and every avocado is perfect. I cannot tell you how dramatized I was in the UK this summer, which I've actually put in quotation marks for you, um, with the state of the imported fruit and veg. Oh my goodness. Now, if you are a dual national or a foreign national living abroad and you can travel right now and there is somewhere else you want to be, do that. Now, everyone has very many strong and conflicting opinions about what we should and shouldn't be doing right now, but you must, must, must follow your heart and work within the current logistics to the best of your ability. Honestly, my soul was slowly dying in England, um, even though I was on the beach on the southwest coast there. And so coming back here was really integral to my soul survival. So if you can and want to change location, don't wait, do it. And in fact, I was really lucky the planes and airports were completely empty. Now, on another aspect of soul survival is our tech life, which is what we're talking about today, and making sure we have a very healthy one. Now, I'm producing this episode because I think in the last six months of working from home or moving to a remote first work style with your company, I'm hearing more and more stories about overwork and burnout. So if you find that you're burning the candle at both ends still and haven't yet settled into a healthy tech life, this episode is for you. Finding the balance between our online and offline lives is even more important. It's more important than ever. Whether you're new to working from home this year or you're a seasoned remote worker who's used to a bit more freedom than the current logistics of your location allow for. So if you're used to working in an office, you're missing out on various transitions and also offline experiences throughout the day, like your commute, which by the way, I used to love my commute. I don't know why the commute now is getting such a bad rap. I actually wrote two books on my London and Sydney commutes, which I may never have done otherwise. Um, but you're also missing things like meetings, which can be super fun and just interacting with other humans is always great. Office banter and chats, you know, as you pass people, meet people in the kitchen, pass them in the bathrooms, whatever. And also as a remote worker, I'm sure as hell missing my lunch dates and dinner dates and going to the gym without wearing a mask and, you know, this very deliberate social life that I cultivate to fulfill my social needs. So, you know, some of us are cracking open the phone or laptop as soon as we wake up and it stays on and we stay connected to it until we go to sleep again 
which is really, really bad. And then some people are hearing Slack notifications from work 24-7 because we're not switching off our work apps. We're watching Netflix or playing Forge of Empires, as some of my friends are obsessed with, on the same devices. Our work and personal life are way too integrated via the devices that we now use for every aspect of our lives. We even look to Instagram and online programs to exercise. Come on, people, this is crazy. This is potentially dangerous as well. So we find ourselves online a lot longer than we really should be in order to have and experience a balanced life. So what I've done is this, I've surfaced a bonus module from one of my business courses called Kickstart Your Mini Empire. The module is called Cultivate a Healthy Tech Life, which really invites you to do some serious thinking about what a healthy tech life is for you. And it also asks some profound questions and invites you to answer them for yourself. I've provided you the worksheet as well. Just head over to stephanieholland.co forward slash 98 to download it if you're not already listening to this there already. You just have to sign up for my newsletter to receive it for free. And if you're already a, rescribe, a, rescriber, a subscriber, I have sent it direct to your inbox this week. Now, the facts I share in this episode are staggering. And even if you download the worksheet, you are going to meet with a ton of resistance when it comes to answering the questions. But I'll say this, these might be the most important questions you ever ask yourself. I hope you enjoy it. So let's get started. So question, have you seen the movie Wall-E? Now, 700 years into the future in the movie, humans have left planet Earth and planet Earth is undergoing this cleanup by a little machine called Wall-E or Wall-E. I don't even know how people in the US pronounce it. But anyway, the trouble is that humans have become so addicted to their devices, so disconnected from real life that they've lost all their bone density and they're just fat blobs who move around on hovering chairs with built-in screens where they do all their connection and they literally live their life through the screen. They're so disconnected from themselves and their reality that they even talk to people hovering in the chair next to them through their screen. So I've linked to the trailer below. You have to check it out if you haven't seen it. But my question is, once you've seen the trailer and you know what I'm talking about, is that so far away from the reality that we're living right now? Now, in this lesson, I have definitely got more questions and answers, but I just want to set the context for your tech health and invite you to examine your tech behaviors to ensure that they're constructive and not destructive for your life and work. Essentially, I want you to develop a healthy tech life and be in control of your own tech behavior. So let's set the context and frame the questions. In Adam Alter's brilliant book called Irresistible, he shares this in the prologue. At an event in 2012, Steve Jobs introduced the iPad. He explained for 90 minutes why the iPad was the best way to do almost everything that we were already doing online and stated that everyone should have an iPad while at the same time in private refusing to let his kids use the device. Later in 2010, he told journalist Nick Bilton that his children had never even used the iPad and he stated this, we limit how much technology our kids use in the home. Wow. 
Now, in the same book, Adam Alter also reveals that other tech giants have imposed device usage restrictions in their home as well. You've got Chris Anderson, who's the former editor of Wired, who enforced strict time limits on every device in his home, quoting, because we have seen the dangers of technology firsthand. His five children were never allowed to use screens in their bedrooms at all. And then we have Evan Williams, who's the founder of Blogger, Twitter, and Medium, who bought hundreds of books for his two young sons, but refused to give them an iPad. And then we have Leslie Goll, who's the founder of an analytics company, who imposed a no screen during the week rule on her kids unless it was strictly and specifically for schoolwork. And then we have Walter Isaacson, who's a journalist, who once interviewed Jobs um, and he had dinner with the family and he observed that not a single one of them even opened or touched or even looked at a device during dinner and he said this after that experience with them. It seems as if people producing tech products were following the cardinal rule of drug dealing, never get high on your own supply. Wow, right? I'm gonna read that again. It seems as if the people producing tech products were following the cardinal rule of drug dealing, never get high on your own supply. So question one is this, if the world's greatest technocrats are protecting the people that they love from the technologies that they themselves are creating, what does this say about the about tech's effect on the human condition and its potential effect on us? That's crazy. That's question one. So Adam Alter goes on to say in his book that substance addictions and tech addictions are very similar. And this is where I was just like, holy moly. Here's why. They activate the same regions, um, the same regions in the brain, and they're fueled by the same basic human needs, social engagement and social support, mental stimulation, and a sense of effectiveness. Now he implies that even chasing the next Instagram hit is a behavioral addiction. So question number two is, how does it make you feel to know that even checking how many likes your Instagram post has every five minutes is a behavioral response that's activating the same part of your brain as if you were addicted to heroin? <laughs> oh my God, that's even just so crazy. Every time, every time I read that, I just think it's even more crazy. Um, you know, it's like the compulsion to check your phone every two minutes or checking your phone quickly before you go to bed and accidentally spending an hour on Twitter. It's activating the same part of your brain as if you were addicted to heroin. So crazy. Now, in a podcast interview called Text Moral Reckoning, this was an interview with Anil Dash, who's the creator, the CEO of Fog Creek Software. Um, and it was a, um, an interview conducted by Krista Tippett for her uh, podcast called On Being. Anil said this, we're still sounding our way through this incorporation of technology into our lives. And it always does come down to what are our values? And what do we care about? And what are the things we think are meaningful? and then using that as a filter to understand and control and make decisions around these new technologies. And that's part of the reckoning I'd ask everybody who's not in technology to have, is to raise that flag. At the time when somebody says, you've got to try this new app, you've got to use this new tool, think through what are the implications of one, me using this, and two, if everybody does. 
such a great quote. It's an amazing podcast episode. I've put the link below. Now question three then becomes, what levels of awareness or consciousness are you bringing to your tech choices? Are you asking yourself, what are the implications um, of using this for your life and work? And are you asking yourself, what is your personal value filter that you're using to make this decision? These are not easy questions, I know, but I really believe we must begin thinking about these questions um, until we can answer them for ourselves. Now, he goes on to say, there is zero ethical curriculum. You can get a top of the line, the highest credential computer science degree with essentially having had zero ethics training. And that is, in fact, the most likely path to getting funded as a successful startup in Silicon Valley. Wow. Can I just say wow? So question four is, how does it make you feel to know that there is no code of ethics for app or software development and that the personal values of the creator are baked into the tech that they're creating and that they are purposefully designing them. These apps and software are purposefully designed to make you think and behave in a very precise, in a very certain way. Oh my gosh. Okay, so we've reached the halfway mark. That is a couple of really deep questions. If you wanna go ahead and pause this video and do the worksheet, go ahead. Or if you just wanna grab a coffee or a glass of water or just do a stretch, go ahead and do that now. Okay, so let's continue. In a recent blog post, Paul Jarvis, who's one of my favorite online entrepreneurs, he shared this. What I continue to notice is that myself and most other people want to fill spaces. It's like we're so afraid of being bored or being alone, we have to fill even the smallest gaps with updates from our screens. Being in line, waiting for a starter at a restaurant, sitting on the bus, noticing a lull in conversation while sitting across from a real human being, etc. It's like we've become deathly allergic to being alone with our thoughts. So true. So question five is, how comfortable do you feel sitting alone in your stillness? Now I have a pretty awesome, pretty deep challenge for you. Set the timer for 30 minutes and sit comfortably with your eyes closed and just sit still and get into that stillness. And then when the timer goes off, share your thoughts and realizations about what came up for you. What were your recurring thoughts or feelings? Write them down. What compulsions, compulsions did you feel? Like you wanted to check something, you wanted to start working on a project, write that down. What did you feel drawn to get up and do? And what level of discomfort did you feel? Now this can be a terrifying exercise, but I'm not sorry <laughs> for challenging you. Um, I know you will procrastinate and say that you don't have time to do it, but it will reveal your addictions, your compulsions, and your obsessive thoughts and behaviors. So it might just be one of the most important and valuable exercises of your life. You see, if you don't meditate, Here's what you're missing out on with meditation, because meditation is the experience simply of becoming familiar of all those thoughts floating around in your head, acknowledging them, letting them go, and then meeting your true self, which sits beneath, which sits beneath all of those 
often crazy and often fear-based thoughts swirling around in your head. And that's why meditation is a practice, a daily practice. It's an ongoing process of observing ourselves and how many layers of thinking crap that we're hiding underneath every single day. And I think that the way we use technology now is actually a mechanism for hiding from that awareness. You see, Another very, very smart and capable lady um, um, in our world right now called Dana Boyd is the principal researcher at Microsoft Research Center and the founder of Data and Society Research Institute. And she says this, she says, blaming technology is missing the point. And she's right. And here's the proof that comes from several hundred years ago. Blaise Pascal, who's a French philosopher from the 17th century, he was a scientist and a mathematician, he said this, all of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone. <laughs> Crazy. All of man's, all of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone. He said that in the 1600s. This is a fundamental human weakness. It's a default. But can we overcome it? Now, can you sit alone quietly in your own stillness for 30 minutes without feeling traumatized? And if you can't, can you train yourself to? It is amazing. I do this every day. I now do this twice a day. And I have found it transformational for my mind and for my emotions. So I'm gonna let you decide, obviously, if you do that challenge or not, but I urge you to do it, it is powerful. But let's continue with the theme of your phone or your mobile device for the moment. So question number six is, do you actually know how much time you're spending online and exactly how you're spending it? So back to our friend Adam Alter for a minute, the author of Irresistible. He guessed that he was spending maybe an hour a day on his phone. So he went ahead and downloaded an app called Moment, it's great, that monitors your phone activity. Now it doesn't include listening to music or making calls, so that's considered a normal part of day-to-day -day life, but it monitors everything else, especially app usage. Now he was staggered to discover that even though he was only checking his phone a couple of times an hour, he was spending three hours a day on his phone. He wasn't even playing games and he wasn't surfing the net, yet his activity was amounting to 40 check-ins a day, translating to 20 hours a week. So are you someone who's consistent um, in a dialogue is, I don't have time or I wish I had more time. So if you are, I challenge you to download the Moment app and see how much time you spend on your phone. It's a free app and the link is below. And the final part of this lesson is all about creating better tech behaviors that expose you to the benefits of technology but protect you from the negative effects. So question number seven asks you all about how you can begin protecting yourself. What rules can you put in place to help you develop healthier tech habits right now? So here are my phone rules. I have phone app, um, phone app notifications switched off every single one. I have to physically go into each app to see if there are notifications. My phone is always, always on silent. It drives my honey insane, but anyway, it's always on silent. I leave my phone at home when I go out, you know, for special occasions and to the library and to errands and shopping, 
leave my phone at home, I take my shopping list on post-its, it's really funny, and I switch off my phone before bed. So what other ideas can you create um, to help you cultivate healthier tech behaviors? Can you check your social profiles only once a day? or maybe once a week if you don't use them for your business? Can you have a one day digital detox once a week or even once a week every quarter? Can you remove all the apps from your phone and only check into them from your laptop? And in that case, can you add a two factor authentication on your software like Twitter to prevent you from quickly checking just randomly, ah, oh, just because you're bored? So. I know this has been a really deep topic and much of it really is in your court. It's not for anyone to tell you what to do because there's no clear guidelines on what is good and what isn't good for us. Um, I also recommend actually that you explore the work of Tristan Harris, link below. Now he's called the closest thing that Silicon Valley has to a conscious a conscience, sorry, um, and he was called out by The Atlantic magazine, and he spent three years as a Google design ethicist, which is really difficult to say, ethicist, a Google design ethicist, developing a framework for how technology should ethically steer the thoughts and actions of billions of people from our screens. Now, Tristan has spent a decade understanding the invisible influences that hijack human thinking and action. Now, drawing on literature from addiction, performative magic, social engineering, persuasive design, and behavioral economics, he's currently developing a framework for ethical persuasion, especially as it relates to the moral responsibility of tech companies. But my ultimate advice for you would be, don't become so addicted to your devices that you lose bone mass and, and, and become a blob. I mean, that's already happening. People are electing to watch Netflix instead of go out for a jog or to spend an hour on Twitter instead of walking on the beach and connecting with their loved ones. So yeah, listen, becoming a blob is a reality, right? So watch the Wooly uh, movie trailer now and watch the movie if you haven't seen it yet. Where have you been? It's been out since like, I don't know, 2003 or something. And remember this, fundamentally, you're not alive to be available to everyone else 24-7. You're alive to thrive, to really, really thrive in your own life so that you can show up 120% for yourself and those that you can help the most, those that you are here to serve. And yes, of course, that includes your loved ones, your community and your clients and customers and your audience as well. So head over to the worksheet to dig deep on these questions and cultivate a healthy tech life. And then schedule your tech into your startup calendar. Define exactly how much time you want to spend on social media and other online platforms for your personal life and your business life and schedule it in your calendar. Now that's gonna be challenging, but it will transform the time that you spend online and exactly what you're doing in that time. So head over to the worksheet and I'll see you in the next video. Bye.
Thank you for listening to this episode of Thriving Empire. I appreciate you being here and hanging out with me. Now, if you're not subscribed already, head over to stephanieholland.co, that's C-O, and sign up right on the page so that you never miss an episode. And if you're enjoying the show, I have a favor to ask you. Would you rate and review it on iTunes, please? Just search Thriving Empire on iTunes. Click subscribe, then ratings and reviews, and you'll be asked to give it a start rating and a quick sentence or two on what you think about it. and what you think about me. Now, this will really help other people find it too so that more people can build their career and create the life they really want simultaneously. Thank you so much. Have a beautiful week and see you next time on Thriving Empire. 